0: Hi there, and welcome to the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. We're Paris and Alana, friends who have a heart for intimacy and long to uncover God's truth and design for sexual freedom within marriage. Welcome here.
1: really special guests that we're very excited to introduce to you. Uh, We have Rosie with us today and she, you can find her over at Fight for Love Ministries on Instagram. And Rosie was just telling us they also have a fantastic support group on Facebook, which is called Fight for Love Fellowship. So with that, Rosie, we would love to hear more about you and your ministries and what we're talking about today, which is going to be The spouse's perspective and just working with the spouse who's involved with pornography, right? Their their spouse is struggling with it and you feel very stuck in the middle or betrayal and trust factor. And Rosie's going to talk to us about that today.
2: Thank you. It is so lovely to be here with you. It really is. And I'm really grateful that you're tackling this topic. Mm -hmm. So my ministry is basically, we're a grassroots organization of women who have, well, we started off originally with women who had been through recovery and they come out the other side and they got a porn-free marriage and they were so um, grateful for the experience that they'd had and the healing and the hope and the freedom that they just wanted to tell other people. So Mm. we came together and we uh, started a podcast. I'd written a book, first of all, Fight for Love, which was sort of an idiot's guide for wives, for women. It's like a baseline of information that you need to know about porn. Everything that you didn't know you needed to know about porn in relationships. So I wrote that, which was, which was great, but I felt like it was missing something like what really connects people are stories. So Mm. I approached, um, women in our recovery community. My husband is a CSAT. He's a certified sexual addictions therapist. So we've created this recovery community here on the central coast of California. And we work, you know, we've got lots and lots of couples and we meet, there's a community, you know, we have regular barbecues and the families get together. Right. So I got lots of friends in this and I said, would you be willing to come on a podcast and share your story with the world. And surprisingly, they said yes. So we started this podcast, which is a bit like The View, but we just talk about pornography. (laughs) Um, And just to basically share with other women who are stuck in this very painful place between discovery of pornography and getting into recovery. There's a really painful, confusing Mm. stage that can go on for decades yeah. We wanted to um, right. accelerate that process. We wanted to make it as short as possible by basically telling you all the things that we did wrong, all the lies that we believed yeah. and what we found out and just give the hope and uh, a pathway, a pathway to follow and support yes. you along the way. So to, to spread this message that a porn-free marriage is possible um, mm-hmm. once you know the path and once you know what is helpful as a wife and what is not so helpful. So, yeah, we started the podcast, now we've got a group, and we're we're actually in the process of expanding the ministry, and we really we we want to take this wide. We we have lots lots of yes. about 600 women in the group now. And uh, you know, they they want to reach other women because everybody has been in that horrible, horrible, lonely, painful stage of thinking I'm the only one in the world that de- deals with this. Mm-hmm. It's my fault. No one would understand. If I tell anybody in the church, they'll just shame me or blame me. I'm dying, but I can't tell anybody. And nobody Mm -hmm. knows. I'm the only one who knows.
0: Yeah. So Rosie, I'm curious, what caused you to want to write the book Fight for Love in the first place? Great
2: question. I didn't actually, I was waiting for somebody with like Beth Moore's status or, you know, (laughs) following to write it for me because I knew it needed to be written, but I was like, is anybody going to write it? And I thought, Oh, well, I've got, because I'm right anyway. So I've got a break between writing projects and I'm like, well, I'll just start writing a few chapters. And then I went to a writing conference and just, well, I'll just pitch it, you know, see what happens. And the response was phenomenal. And I was like, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, the market is ready for this. Um, And it just flew from there. And I, you know, the more people I got involved in, the more stories it's like, this needs to be written. And what was the really amazing you know, experience as a writer, like a couple of the chapters just sort of wrote themselves. I, w- I didn't plan them. but As I was writing, them, they sort of just, they sort of just dropped in there. And I was like, wow, this is literally sort of co-creating yeah. a really, really cool writing experience that I'd never had before. So I was a little bit nervous telling that to my editor. I said, there's a couple of surprise chapters. And she was like, <laughs> <laughs> but she was really cool. She was like, oh no, that happens. That totally happens all the time. I'm like, really? Wow. So yeah, I didn't want to, but I'm really, really so very honored and grateful that I've had the opportunity to do it now.
0: No kidding. That's fantastic.
1: That is so exciting to know. And then this is just another resource that we feel so blessed that we can turn and share our followers to and be like, go check this book out. You know, this is such a niche book, a specific niche, and absolutely it is Very needed. Like you've said, you know, as we've been going through our pornography series, that has been a resounding pain point that we've been hearing, and it's really been breaking our hearts how many women feel so alone in this, and absolutely, the stigma needs broken. So this is amazing to know. You've got a book, Rosie. You've got your Instagram page, your podcast, and you have your Facebook support group. So those are all things we'll be putting in the show notes for our followers. Um, But can we maybe pivot a little bit? And Rosie, we have some really important questions that we want to glean your wisdom on in this. And um, can we actually, let's just start into one of the biggest things. Um, A lot of wives have come forward to us just asking sincerely how they can really heal from the betrayal and the trust factor that they feel has been broken uh, from their spouse who has been either involved in porn for years or has looked at it once everyone has that immediately you know the lies that have been coming in they feel like they can't trust anymore they're full of questions can we talk about that for a little bit
2: sure and I love that you've started with that because quite often the betrayal trauma is the bit that gets bypassed we don't talk about that it's all about you know how can we help the guy and how can we be a better wife without actually acknowledging that this really really devastates women. It really yeah. does. Yeah. And it's not just the betrayal. It's not just the fact that he's doing that, looking at all those other images. It's the deception. Because mm-hmm. in addiction, they're hiding it. They're hiding their supply, you know, they're covering up their tracks because they need to. You know, it's not that mm-hmm. they're evil or they're, you know, yeah. malevolently doing something. It's just part of addiction. They they cover it up. They hide it. And that right. really unsettles you as a as a wife it really it makes you question your entire reality your entire relationship Mm. so your question was how do you heal from it Um, and the good news is it is totally possible and there are wonderful wonderful qualified trained people out there to help you there's an organization called APSATS and let me see if I can remember the acronym the Association of Partners of Sex Adult Addict Trauma Specialists Okay. Managed it. And these are, they are wonderful. They view everything through a trauma lens and they really get it. So there's a link on our website and you can just put in your location and you'll find somebody nearby who is qualified and they run groups. So I would say if you're in the situation, check them out Um, because you need to be validated that the trauma Mm -hmm. is real. You need to just start getting some clarity on what is going on in your crazy world. Clear that fog, you know, sort of, you know, bust all those lies that this is somehow something to do with you and that you can somehow fix this. If only you just, you know, fill in the blank. Exactly. Um, And the other important part of healing is fellowship. We we heal in fellowship. We really Mm -hmm. do. Once you see the faces of the other women in your group and you go, first of all, you go, wow, you're really attractive. That's, you know, and everybody comes and going, that was such a surprise. Like, you know, I don't know what stereotypes yeah. we have in our head of wives of porn addicts, but it's certainly not the reality, which is like, these yeah. women are drop dead gorgeous a lot of the time. And you're like, okay, your guys really are, your brains are literally hijacked. You are, you know, not in, not on the planet. These women totally. are gorgeous. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of just like a, an added bonus, but the, but the validation and the support and the encouragement and, uh, wisdom that you're going to get from these other women is it's everything they become your best buddies and they know you on a level that probably nobody else does because it's really hard to open up about this even to your nearest and dearest because quite often they just don't get it they just don't get it and they give you well-meaning well-meaning and loving advice but it's completely in the wrong direction so i would say if this is your situation reach out to safe qualified people first just to get that Mm. That I, I say, you know, it's important that you put your own oxygen mask on first. You need to take that good slug of oxygen and get the facts about what's really going on and your part in it and what you can do before you, you know, go to those normal sources of support, because you cannot guarantee that they're going to get it, especially at the church. You quite, yeah. you know, a lot of people have yeah. come forward and said they've got really, really horrible advice from church, which just further sort of compounds that shame. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, the process is you, you will work through your grief, you'll work through, um, mm-hmm. you know, and the trauma and the layers of trauma. And then you might even go further back and actually realize that this is a, it's a gift. It's a really horrible gift, but being thrown down this mm-hmm. rabbit hole can lead you to start to examine deeper issues that were maybe there in the first place. Not that you mm-hmm. caused this in any way, shape or form, yes. but this is a good opportunity while you're, while you're down there having a look at, you know, what's going on down there to actually start looking at everything else. And this is why, another reason why we started this podcast, it's like, we've now dealt with stuff that we didn't even really know existed. And it's really cool. Right. You know, yeah. like I'm much nice. better at relationships now, like with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know? yep. So it really is, uh, uh can be, what do they what my friends call it the best worst gift they ever had or something i can't Mm. remember exactly what they said but it really can be an incredible time of transformation
0: wow and i love too how you said yeah um how you were saying how these women in these support groups are like very, very attractive. And it's interesting because it brings to mind a question that we had gotten. um, And someone had asked, you know, how was that not my fault? You know, she says everyone, particularly with porn is like, well, it's not the significant other's fault and it has nothing to do with you. She's like, but I can't see how that's true. Surely if I was more attractive, this wouldn't be a struggle for him. It's the only thing that logically makes sense to me. If I were truly enough, he wouldn't need that.
2: Well, that's a great question. And I'm right? very, ha- very happy to tackle that one. Ah. Okay. So, so pornography pr- produces um, dopamine and a, a whole host of other feel-good chemicals in your brain when you're watching it. And it's that to which you are addicted. It's called a process addiction. So you're not snorting or injecting or swallowing or whatever yeah. your drug. You're actually, your brain is actually producing the drug when you do this activity like gambling. Now the mm-hmm. thing about gambling is you would never try and cure it by giving the addict a suitcase full of cash. Right. Because you'd kind of know that that's probably going to make it worse. That's, you know, that's not really what he's after. He's after the thrill. I'm saying he, but you know, it can be either. Right. Same. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's the thrill that they're after It's those chemicals that get going in their brain when they're doing the gambling. It's exactly the same with pornography. So you're trying to compete with the chemical experience, So not an actual real experience. And this is why, you know, especially people when they get addicted, when they're very young, Mm -hmm. their brains haven't sort of sexually formed yet. And they condition themselves to be aroused by this isolated voyeuristic experience and these images instead of actually having sex with a real person. And this is why we've got, Mm -hmm. you know, a a growing number of uh, erectile dysfunction in under 25s, which there never used to be. So this is not because suddenly all the women in the world no longer look attractive. It's like, a no, <laughs> there's something else going on. You know, their brains yeah. are actually being conditioned to pornography. So it really isn't um, how you look or how yeah. you act. Even porn stars have come forward and said, I cannot keep my partner interested. He's just always on pornography. It's like, it's, it's not a, re- a one real person cannot, compete because the thing with internet pornography and I find this absolutely fascinating is that it's so much more dangerous than the static porn like videos or magazines that they had I don't know pre-internet right because the way that it works is your brain um gets used to whatever it's watching just like any other drug you build up tolerance so the way that you can get your next hit Um, is you click on something new, something novel, or perhaps something more uh, shocking, something darker, because that sort of ups the ante. And you can keep the dopamine coming. You can keep those chemicals coming. And you know with the internet, you can go as deep and dark and as far as you can. Absolutely. This is why people binge for days. So how is one woman, one actual (laughs) woman, going to compete with this endless supply of chemical experience. It's just, it's just not possible. Um, And then, you know, because of all that stuff that's going on in his brain and all these chemicals, there are other side effects that happen as a result of, because we were never designed to to have our brains flooded with these crazy chemicals. So this actually has impact on the brain, which then impacts how he acts in his relationship. Um, So it's not just in the bedroom. There are other you know, warning signs or red flags that you might be experiencing outside the bedroom. Right. Because his brain has literally been
0: hijacked. My goodness. Right. So, how does someone go from there if they're feeling like it's their fault or they, not that it's necessarily their fault, but, you know, if I was more attractive, like all these self esteem issues that are coming from this, right? Like self worth, you're fighting comparison. Um, you know, how does a woman who's struggling with that, or, you know, we can, Go either gender, but um, you know, someone struggling with that then try and find freedom from all these like self esteem problems that are coming. Yeah, and I, I've
2: been really thinking about this. I'm planning an episode on this, so I'm really okay. glad that you brought it up. So this is okay. my, my thoughts in process. Mm-hmm. Um, and one analogy that I've been that's been really talking to me is: Do you remember the Snow Queen? Do you know, remember the, the fairy tale of the Snow Queen, where oh. there was a magic mirror that shattered, an evil troll shattered this magic mirror and it, it went throughout the world and little shards of it went in people's eyes. And as they, if you were infected with these little shards of evil glass, you saw the world differently. You, know, you just saw the bad mm, and right. you know, evil and ugly and everybody. And that's kind of what pornography has done. It mm. has literally put this lens of pornography over the user's eyes so that he's no longer viewing anything the way that he right. wants was. So you're not trying to compete with the women because you don't want to be looked at through that lens anyway. Right. But what do you practically Mm, do with that? I would say that first of all, you have to acknowledge the grief that comes from the fact the person with you is no longer exactly the same as they were. And you have to just grieve that the fact that he is not able to see you in the same way at the moment. It is reversible. We put that in there. we all get too frightened but um you have to grieve the fact that he is no longer viewing they've done studies that prove that you know users of pornography are more dissatisfied with their partner's attractiveness and sexual performance that's just Mm. the reality and we know that we we feel that on a gut level I mean you know wives often say to me where is he when we're together he's not with me Mm. where is he you know they know they know that you know They're just not being adored and cherished as they want to be, as maybe they once were. Yeah. So you need to grieve Mm -hmm. it. But the other part of this, and I see this as an opportunity, um, is to start to take a look at some of our own body issues that we all started, you know, we've all got body issues. We're just stewed in this culture where, you know, our worth is on how sexually attractive we are that's where either invisible or sexually attractive. It's like, there's nothing in between. So Mm. definitely being with someone who is addicted to pornography makes it a hundred times worse. You know, it just does. You you feel it. And sometimes they even tell you, I've got wives in my support group whose husbands actually tell them you're ugly. There's no sexual chemistry. You don't do it for me anymore. I mean, how cruel and devastating is that? And, and totally inaccurate. It's not her fault. You've got this shard of glass in your eye. Mm. Um, so I would say, um, the way out of this, you know, I hear lots of Christian leaders saying, well, you just got to love your body and you've just got to look for the bit that you really like. That's impossible. I don't know anybody who can do that, who actually can do that for longer than about seven minutes. Um, the way out of this is to, uh, it's the deeper spiritual problem of body idolatry, which is the fact that Uh. we all think that. Being the fittest, most attractive person is going to save us because it's going to guarantee us acceptance and love, all those things that we want, instead of looking to the one who is actually going to make us feel all those things. So it really is an opportunity to dig deep and start to look at some of those body issues. And that's where freedom is. So I just want to clarify, I'm not saying that... (laughs) your body issues that you have in pornography are all your fault. I'm saying that we all have them anyway. I don't know anybody who doesn't like, who doesn't hate a bit of yeah. their body. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but being with someone who is addicted to pornography and is looking at these artificial women, you know, they are highly mm. augmented, highly airbrushed, highly coerced. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it makes it a hundred times worse, but there is an opportunity Mm. to find freedom there. And there's a great podcast out there called compared to who, and I'm going to interview her later on today um, on exactly this topic. And I was listening to to some of her stuff all about body um, idolatry and how at the core of that it's fear. It's, you know, that's Mm. what drives it. If, If I don't, you know, get down a couple of dress sizes I'm not going to be loved and accepted Uh, and he's going to leave me and he's going to find somebody else. And it's just fear. And there's only one thing that casts out fear, you know, that perfect love. And there's only one source of that. So instead of trying to either change him, persuade him, compete with the porn, change ourselves, have plastic surgery, diet, all that stuff, we've got to turn to Jesus. Because, you know, at my age, you know, things aren't getting any younger and, (laughs) you know, sooner or later, you have to, you have to sort of like just wrestle with this, that actually your value does come from something else than your sexual attractiveness.
1: This is golden. This is something I didn't foresee talking about. I'm like, keep going. This is amazing because it all does. It really does all tie into this. Like These are questions, you know, even talking with close friends in my round, these are all things that come up. You know, and it's very important. So, thank you for sharing on that. That was very, very good. Um, Can I go back to one thing? Actually, Rosie, we talked about how women will often take, you know, for example, their husband's pornography addiction and turn it exactly to this—to to to body image issues and insecurities. Um, But another thing I wanted to mention and just pick your brain on—just talking about body image and. And how women will often immediately take the blame and think that they're the problem for their husband's addiction when it's not so. Um, Can we talk about, there is always a root issue that breeds into addiction. Like it's not just all of a sudden you have a pornography addiction. There's a root issue at the basis of this, right?
2: Yeah. Pornography is not actually the problem. Pornography is the solution to a much mm. deeper problem and this is an intimacy disorder. So pornography has is providing a really useful function in that when you're dealing with uncomfortable feelings, this becomes a an automatic because you've wired those neural pathways, a, a coping mechanism. So whenever you're mm. feeling those uncomfortable feelings, you you know your brain goes, Oh, I know what's going to make it feel better. And yeah. so you you go straight back to that behavior because you are driven there. Not only Are you? Because if you're if you're using regularly, you have become hyper sensitized to pornographic triggers. So you are literally sort of seeking, you know, hits the whole time. Um, But yes, it's a it's an intimacy disorder, which is again, a a really incredible opportunity to start fixing stuff that really needs to be fixed. If you're going to have meaningful relationships in your life and, you know, just find freedom. So once, once people get in recovery and they start to discover that they can share who they really are and they're still accepted Mm -hmm. and they're still loved, Mm -hmm. there is tremendous freedom in that. And somehow they are able to, um, cope better because now they found a healthy coping mechanism, which is intimate relationships with other people, and this is why recovery always includes a group. So you know, if, if it's a man, there'll be a guys' group; if the woman, there'll be a woman's group, and also for spouses, you have a you have a group because you've got to retrain your brain. So what actually happens in recovery is that you're not just trying to get your old relationship back minus the pornography; you're actually creating new neural pathways that give you the capability to be far more intimate and authentic and vulnerable and honest with other people. So you're not getting back your old marriage, which let's be honest, most people aren't actually happy with anyway. They're really not. There's, you know, I've never met somebody who said, oh, it's just the pornography. Everything else was brilliant. It's like there's normally things that you're not happy with. You're not actually feeling emotionally connected. He's distant. There's something going on. You don't really feel heard or validated. But in recovery, you're going to learn those skills because those are the skills that are going to pull you out of the swamp. So that once you've learned those in your little laboratory, your little recovery group, it's like a laboratory for learning those skills. You then apply them back into your marriage. And suddenly you have got connection and emotional vulnerability with your spouse on a level you never had before. And that ladies is when the sex gets interesting because now you're Mm. actually emotionally connected. Mm. Um, so it's really important that, you know, your question about, you know, what are the roots of this? If you understand the roots of it, that it is an intimacy disorder, then you have that as your goal. We want to create a new level yes. of intimacy. We don't just want to get rid of the porn. So it's not just what we're fighting against, yeah. you know, it's what we're fighting for. So once Amen. you've got a model of what you're fighting for and a you know a clear pathway, it really helps you stay on that path because it's hard. Recovery is hard. You know, there's ups and downs, um, and it's challenging. It's challenging to do. New behaviors, both for the spouse and for the addict um, but that 's what keeps you going, knowing what you 're fighting for, which is a you know an incredible an incredible marriage that most people get to that level of um, intimacy after like thirty years of marriage. Mm. If you get thrown down this um, rabbit hole of recovery you 're going to get there really quickly, hopefully if you 're both working hard you can you can see immense strides in a year yeah. you know, and that 's why I think that's why, you know, so many women are now joining, you know, our, our ministry to say, we just want to shout this out loud. Like this is worth fighting for. It really is worth fighting for love. Let's stop hiding in our shame, thinking that somehow if we were thinner or sexier or more adventurous, our husbands wouldn't be looking at porn. It's not about that. It's about fighting for the marriages that God intended us to have, you know, truly intimate. Yes. Um.
1: Oh, that is amazing. I wanna highlight what you said there, Rosie. So often we'll get so honed in on what we're working against. And it's such a it almost skews it to a negative picture, you know, and it's not benefiting you because then you're focused on the pain points and you know, all of the all the boundaries and all of the things and objections coming your way instead of flipping it, like you said, what are we fighting for? And I think that's so important to highlight that um, you just worded that really perfectly. And I think that is going to give a whole new perspective and, you know, a whole new viewpoint of hope to those that are going through this. I think that was beautiful.
2: I hope so. Um, and there's a fantastic resource on this by Julie Slattery called Rethinking Sexuality, her book.
1: Yes.
2: Oh, isn't that just just. Revolutionary, I mean that yes. is like a paradigm shift, you know showing that our sexual union with our with our spouse is a mirror of the covenant love that Absolutely. God has with us i mean it 's so just, good it 's so beautiful it 's yeah. so beautiful, so if anybody is interested in learning more about this, I highly highly recommend that book
1: fantastic i 'm glad you mentioned that yep. um, there is one more thing we would really love your insight on, Rosie. So now we talked about some really big things here. We covered a lot of ground. But I want to cover one more thing. And that is the question that we are posed a lot. And it is, how do we check in or just start the conversation with our spouse who we know is battling pornography addiction?
0: Okay,
2: so my suggestion is that Um, Your listeners throw you two under the bus and say, I was listening Uh, 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 to this podcast and they brought up this subject. And it really made me think that we've never had this conversation. Mm. So what is your relationship with pornography? You know, not to judge, but, you know, statistically, if we're not dealing with this, we are an anomaly, Um, you know, and if there is, you know, a slight crack in the boat or a dirty, dirty great hole in the boat because of, you know, your pornography use. I'd really like us to tackle this together because I want you to know that um, I'm on your side. I want to fight with you for this marriage and that, you know, I love you and our marriage too much to let pornography take us down because I've heard some scary statistics of what it does to marriages and how it destroys the intimacy and trust and the wife's heart. And I don't want that for us. I want so yes. much more. And if you have like been struggling with this on your own, I want to, you to know that I'm open and I want to help you. Um, and, you know, I, I want the, the marriage that we can have. So, Absolutely. I mean, that's how I do it. If your husband's yes. being abusive and blaming it and turning it all around on you, I'd probably suggest maybe a firmer stance and I'd actually suggest that you do a couple of steps before you have the conversation, because I'd love it to say that everybody's, you know, husband is going to be terribly receptive and go, darling, I've been waiting to have this conversation. I can't believe you break up. You know, unfortunately, yeah. you know, you might get a lot of pushback because if they are addicted, they are addicted. And, they're going to have pushback because the last thing they want to do is give up their coping mechanism. So they might say, Oh, you know, everybody does it. What's your problem? If you had more sex, it wouldn't be an issue, blah, 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 blah. So if you get, if you, you know, if you think "Mm, I'm going to get that sort of pushback, I would suggest you do two steps before that. One is educate yourself as much as you can, you know, use the resources that we've got on our resource page, listen to the podcast so that you are strengthened in your resolve and you know what you're dealing with and you feel, you just feel confident and also just look at the, you know, the, the faith aspect of it. And we really do um, help look at some scriptures that really do sort of embolden you and give you, you know, courage yeah. to take that firm stand. So educate yourself so that you can stand firm. And then the second point, second point is get support. So join our little baby support group, which is like a life raft to help you get to the hospital of the, you know, the other recovery groups often facilitated by APSAS, where you're going to start dealing with some of the trauma um, and boundaries. You're going to learn boundaries. And if you're in a really difficult marriage, you know, and this is going to be a really big battle to get him to acknowledge that it's a problem, you're going to need help. And there is help. There is help out there. So educate yourself and get in support. And then you are going to feel in a good, strong position to actually put that firm boundary down and say, it's a zero tolerance policy on pornography in our marriage. It's not happening anymore. This is an idol. This is not biblical. This is not good for you. It's not good for us. It's not good for our family. It's not happening.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, you have to, you have to say it. And there's a great um, episode on our a uh, podcast that the guys recorded and all of them say they hate their wives for putting their foot down. But in hindsight, it was the most loving thing they ever could have done. And that's yeah. what I say. It's your job is not to fix him. Your job is to get him to someone who can fix him. Mm. And that often means Absolutely. you are the leverage. You are the thing that he doesn't want to, to lose. He doesn't want to lose. You. He doesn't want to lose the pornography. He doesn't want to lose you. He want, he doesn't want to lose you slightly more. Hopefully, <laughs> Yeah. You know, that that's the reality. That is everybody's story that I've ever talked to. It is a yeah. rare a rare bird that actually goes, Well, oh, I'm just feeling convicted, I'm gonna give it up all on my own. You know, that'll mm-hmm. that be a nice present for my wife. It just doesn't happen because yeah. you're dealing with a brain that's been hijacked. Right. So, you know, and, and just to add a little bit more conviction on that, um, there's a condition called hypofrontality, which is what you get on a head-on collision and heavy porn use. So it's an impairment of your prefrontal cortex. You literally cannot think straight. So even if you have this conversation and he brushes it aside or doesn't really take it seriously, just know in your head and your heart that his brain's not functioning properly. He's got a shard of glass in his eye. He needs help. He is drowning. No one else knows it's going on. He looks normal from the outside. You're the only one who knows that it's going on. You're the only one who can help at this point. So it's your job as a wife to love him enough to say enough's enough.
0: Wow. That is huge. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a hard thing to do.
2: It's like really hard, really hard. And that's why we
0: have 600 women in our support group.
2: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. it's really hard. It is really
0: hard. Because that fear would be there for sure to be like, well, what if he does choose the porn over me? Right? Yep. Um, And and here's
2: the, the good news and the bad news. You don't, they don't actually have to really want recovery. They just have to do recovery. They have to be willing to to do what it takes because their brain is still going no no I really still want that right. I really still want that because they really think they really do need that they think literally they're going to die if they don't do that because it feels like that yeah so um yeah so just try and just do that emotional detachment and understand that you're dealing with someone who is hijacked And that, you know, there is great hope, there really is great hope, and, Mm. you know, they can restore their brains, they can um, see you as attractive again, they can become empathizing, you know, in a way that they never were before, it it really can change. So one other thing I'd like to add is just an acknowledgement that not all sex addicts become, sex or porn addicts become hypersexual there is a great deal of people who are addicted to pornography who become sexually avoidant. And the reason Mm. I want to flag this is because it's absolutely devastating and confusing for a wife. If your husband hasn't come near you for years um, to understand that this really isn't you, it really isn't a reflection on you. It's the fact that his brain has been conditioned to prefer pornography over sex with a real person. And it's really common it's really, wow. really common, and so I just wanted to just take that layer of shame off for probably a lot of people listening.
0: Wow,
1: absolutely! Yeah, thank you for that. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Wow, this has been amazing. I have taken so many notes that I'm really excited to share um, throughout our Instagram pages and with our followers. So, Rosie, thank you so much again for being so vulnerable with us here and willing to talk about this and just shooting the truth straight but also full of grace you have such a gift in this and we are just so thankful that you came on here and just shared all of this to our followers and to know that there's hope i think that's the biggest message i'm coming uh, away with Is like yes there's hope for the couples that are within this and our hearts go out to you and, and just know that this is a safe place. You know, go and follow Rosie. You know, go and get in this support group. Go and follow her Instagram pages. Continue with us here and plugging into Rosie's podcast and ours because our hearts is to continue to give you guys this hope and steps towards freedom the way God's intended our marriages to be. Hey friends, thank you so much for hanging out with us as we dive deeper into meaningful godly intimacy, tackle the hard questions, and embrace truth while we're at it. We're also on Instagram at Kingdom Sexuality. You'll find our Instagram handle below in the show notes, where you'll also see any other resource links we may have mentioned in today's episode. As always, our hearts are to cultivate deep community and freedom with you guys, and we cannot wait to continue this journey alongside you. We'll see you in the next episode.